0: Hi everybody, Cheryl Eckerson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Eckerson podcast. Today, fascinating insight from a top former Homeland Security official under President Trump. He'll tell us how strife in the Middle East poses a threat here in the United States and what officials here can or should be doing about it. We have a lot to talk about when it comes to threats to the U.S. homeland, and in particular how the strife in the Middle East could impact that. We're going to talk with someone who will help us connect the dots on that quite clearly. But first, a few stats that are pretty new regarding our U.S. southern border, and I would call them alarming, except that I feel like I've been reporting alarming border stats for so long, and yet nothing seems to change. If anything, as we know, it's only getting worse. And there are people that could do something about it and have, for whatever reason, chosen not to. And we have to acknowledge, even if people are critical of Democrats, that when Republicans controlled both the House, the Senate, and the presidency, they didn't do a whole lot to control the border. We will often hear Congress appropriating more funds, and that just results in more officials or agents being used to process more people coming in illegally across the U.S. border. It doesn't do anything to turn them away or keep them from coming. As you may know, President Trump was probably the most successful in recent history with taking some moves to stem the tide of illegal immigration coming across the border. He was fought every step of the way by his opponents. They fought him in court. As you may know, he won some important cases that finally worked their way through court toward the end of his presidency and rushed quite quickly those final months in office to do things like construct the border wall that he'd promised. But, of course, so much time had been lost by then. And then when President Biden was elected and got into office, one of the first things he did as president was stop literally overnight, stop construction of that border wall and sell a lot of those construction materials were told for pennies on the dollar. In any event, here are some of the newer statistics, therefore fiscal year 2023, which ended at the end of September. Customs and Border Protection recorded more than 2.4 million encounters with illegal border crossers at the Southwest border. And if you add in the rest of our border, it was 3.2 million encounters with illegal border crossers. Among those, pay attention to this number, 169 people caught were on our terrorist watch list, caught attempting to enter the country illegally. We don't know how many got away. We'll touch on that in the interview. Those numbers of encounters at the southwest border this past fiscal year increased more than 40% since 2021, 4% over the record year in 2022, and they were more than 100% higher compared to fiscal year 2019. Among those 169 people caught trying to cross illegally into the U.S. from Mexico between ports of entry. Among the 169 on the terrorist watch list that were caught, 18 were apprehended in September alone. And here's another category we should be concerned about, and this isn't the first year this has happened, that the numbers have been outrageous on this score. But in fiscal year 2023, Border Patrol arrested more than 35,000 illegal aliens with criminal convictions or outstanding warrants. That includes about 600 known gang members, and among those, 178 of them were members of the notorious MS-13 gang. This is not widely reported, although I've aired stories about this on my TV program, Full Measure, and prior to that on CBS News and at my website, charlackeson.com. But the criminals who come into the United States illegally and or who are arrested for crimes such as murder, rape, and terrorist acts after they enter the U.S., are filling up our prisons in a disproportionate way, costing tons of money. You may hear people falsely claim that when people come in illegally, they're not committing crimes at any greater rate than American citizens. But the actual numbers from a General Accountability Office report, with numbers provided to them by the FBI and other groups, show that there are far more illegal immigrant criminals in prison than represent their population in the U.S. Now, today our interview is with a man who is the acting deputy secretary of the Department of Homeland Security and was acting director of the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, which is the legal immigration agency. And he also was once Virginia's attorney general. He's a sharp lawyer. His name is Ken Cuccinelli. And I wanted to ask him for his expertise really, as we deal with the threats posed here at home after the conflict has begun in the Middle East, the war between Israel and the Islamic extremist terrorists that attacked Israel, what does that mean for us? And what should we and are we doing at home to make sure we're protected here? Here's my interview with Ken Cuccinelli.
1: First of all, a lot of the folks who perpetrated 9-11 were in the country illegally. They'd overstayed visas. They'd come a variety of ways, but they were, uh, they were here illegally. And there was a recognition, bipartisan recognition, that the border was a security weakness and that we needed a secure border. And secure border was agreed and understood at the time, and it is still the legal definition today, uh, that means that no one is coming over the border that we don't know about.
0: What do you think happened between that time and today?
1: Well, in the latter part, I think of the 2000s decade, immigration became a partisan divide. Post Bush, this was in the Obama era, because I remember criticizing the Bush policies and being hammered by other Republicans. So there was there wasn't uh, this wasn't Democrats versus Republicans. This was uh, factions in each party much like you might see how people look at foreign policy today you know they don't necessarily line up on a partisan basis as much as they do on um belief basis so that shifted in the era of obama to where the radical left made being loose on immigration i'll put it in gentle terms a political issue they mean we're great loving humanitarians and part of that is letting anybody in here who wants to come.
0: But it's hard to understand how we could have so much resolve yeah. 20 years ago and have it slip into people thinking we should be nice. Like, how do we get from there to here? Just short memories?
1: Short memories, yes, and, and perceived short-term political advantage. And now it's sort of an item of orthodoxy, Again, in the radical left, and now the average voter who lives in this neighborhood who votes Democrat does not support Joe Biden open border policies and so forth. They may be quite susceptible to the, well, I don't want to be mean to anybody kind of an approach that personalizes it as opposed to looking at what's the best policy for the United States of America. But that's a different thing entirely. To win a nomination now in the Democrat Party, you've got to be with the radical left. That's the perception, at least. And most elected congressmen and senators are. And Joe Biden, who didn't used to be in the radical left, went ahead and sort of handed them the keys as part of getting nominated and elected president. And, of course, you look at somebody like Secretary Mayorkas, that is evidence that he has given them the keys. He put a radical, open borders leftist in control of border policy, someone who had IG reports about him using his power politically and other things, and none of that got in the way of the appointment. So that's who's in charge of border security today.
0: So with that backdrop, when you heard about what had happened with the attack on Israel, professionally, what were some of your initial thoughts?
1: Well, first of all, I was... You know, we focus on America, but I was surprised at how much Israel was caught by surprise. Um, of course, we learned in the weeks since that Hamas has essentially made governing Gaza a facade for 15 years to accumulate every single thing they got monetarily, water pipes. I mean, you've seen the stories as I have. Everything was bent toward. Attacking Israel, all of it. That was the purpose of it. That was the purpose of their existence, their governance, and everything. And for Israel not to pick up on that for 15 years is, on the Hamas side, extraordinary in terms of them keeping it insular enough to not get caught. That also tells me that they were talking one on one. They weren't sending emails about this. They weren't chatting on the phone about it. Um, They took the steps to keep those strategic goals secure for 15 years. That's very inconvenient. It slows you down. It has all sorts of operational negatives from their perspective. But the big operational positive from their perspective is they succeeded in hiding it from the Israelis.
0: And And that's
1: an extraordinary failure. And it's not Israel's first. We look to ourselves and say, how did we not know this?
0: Well, that was my question. So as you're looking and wondering how Israel didn't know, we have thousands of agents positioned overseas, CIA, FBI, military intelligence, looking for this sort of thing. What does this imply about us?
1: Well, we don't have that many. Really? Um, We have let human intelligence degrade over the decades since the Cold War. And um, we just don't have as many people on the ground. We're not working as many people as we used to. Um, we, we've seen the politicization of a good chunk of our intelligence and federal law enforcement community. And they're being slaved to all of those tasks in the United States. And um, and so that degrades our ability to apply resources to spotting what other threats are out there. and. This is one of them. And Look, Hamas, Hezbollah, all of the groups with the Iranian tiebacks, we know uh, are serious threats. We know they're serious threats. And I mean to the United States. Um, They're attacking Israel this month, but there's nothing keeping them from walking across either of our southern or northern borders um, and perpetrating something similar, though not home-based, in the United States.
0: Well, that was, I guess, leading to my next question, after you were assessing kind of what happened in Israel and what they didn't know, right? what were your thoughts about what we ought to be doing and could be doing to protect ourselves now?
1: Well, of course, we could close our borders, and by that I simply mean secure it, or at least try. When you send the message that you're definitely not going to secure the border, you invite much worse people over the border, because they have a risk calculus in trying to come in here. The, what can I accomplish if I get there? That's their, from their perspective, their reward. And what is their risk? The risk of being discovered along the way or being caught or stopped. Well, when you tell them you have an open border, you've lowered the risk portion of their calculus. These are evil people, but they, we can't assume they're stupid. And so they assess these things. They conduct practice attempts. They send dummies across to see if they get caught doing certain things and operating in certain ways. And I mean, back when I was the deputy secretary at DHS, we found prayer rugs along the immigration routes. We found Internet materials related to bomb making. And if you ask the DHS today about the rise in the number of people on the terror watch list coming across, they'll say, well, it's really just a function of the overall numbers, (laughs) as if that's okay. Well, that's a function of the open borders. And literally, we have hundreds of thousands of folks from the Middle East and the dangerous part of Africa, by that I mean from a terrorist standpoint, um, coming into the United States that didn't used to
0: We've been hearing about this for at least the past couple of years, and yet, as far as I know, there has not been a big terrorist attack by extremists who have crossed the southern border into the United States illegally or legally. Um, What do you make of that, that it hasn't happened?
1: Well, we do know a few things that have been interjected, interceded with. For example, the attempt to kill former President Bush where those folks were coming across the southern border. Thankfully, we picked up on that. Um, so there have been you know there have been some successes in that regard. The, the problem in having these discussions is the more talented, successful terrorists aren't even seen. They're not in the Godaways number. The Godaways number are people who were spotted but not caught. They're in the number of, we don't know what the number is. And uh, those are the most dangerous of all. We have no basis to identify or pursue those folks until some piece of evidence crops up that gets spotted and flagged. And that's awfully hard to do once you're in the country.
0: Do you think it's possible that there could be groups, small groups of terrorists or even individuals who are waiting and making a plan here in the United States?
1: Absolutely, unfortunately.
0: What's a sleeper cell?
1: A sleeper cell is a is a g- small group of people that come in typically with a mission beforehand or a goal, and they don't communicate with anybody else. So let's say there's four of them. They may live nearby one another. They may go get jobs and just work in the community, and at certain points in time they happen to meet out in the middle of nowhere to do some training and to practice um, and possibly with a general goal to formulate a specific target and then practice on it. I mean, that's what a sleeper cell would do. You, that's one thing. How uh, much the, do you...
0: How, go ahead.
1: Well, the, the, the smaller version of that that is the hardest to track of all is the loan operator. And that's true whether they're international terrorists, domestic terrorists what have you. And we now have a large enough sets of communities of radicalized people in the United States that this could be a comb- combination of international inflows of people teaming up with people who are already here.
0: How concerned do you find yourself that something like that could happen? Either there are sleeper cells waiting to activate or even lone terrorists just waiting for an opportunity.
1: Oh, I worry a great deal about that. I. Honestly, as a statistical matter, I think they're here. It's a question of, you know, there are human elements to this. Do they ultimately have the guts to go ahead and execute a mission when the rubber meets the road? Do they get captured by the society they're in? You know, do they, do they sort of mentally get watered down and maybe some of the hate and aggression they came in with? Those are just things that you are awfully hard to know. The longer they're here, the more likely that is, but also the longer they're here, the more opportunity to connect up with similarly minded folks they have.
0: What are some of the things that our leaders are probably doing or could be doing to protect us against these possibilities?
1: Well, certainly um, what they are presumably doing is looking at what signals intelligence they can gather because as you and I talked about, there's actually a fairly limited amount of human intelligence available um, when you're talking about fairly large numbers of people, and by that I don't mean tens of thousands, I mean hundreds, um, that we'd be worried about at any given time. Um, but uh, signals intelligence is one, but that's outside the country. That's part of why that's I listening said— listening
0: to cell phone traffic. Yeah, that's and- if you
1: happen to be listening in that area at that time— And, um, you know, this can come from anywhere in the world, uh, including, frankly, Europe now. I mean, Europe is so saturated with terrorist base or terrorist, you know, supporting communities that they could come over from that direction and it would look like a European coming to the United States. So uh, there are a lot of more complicated aspects to this. And by the way, that particular element is going to, grow as a threat in the coming decades just because of the numbers in Europe and the protests following the Hamas terrorist attack on Israel across Europe have been shocking to people in Europe and here. Uh, Those are enormous numbers. And yes, those are threats within their own country, but they also can pose a threat to travel easily. It's a lot easier to travel here Uh, safely undercover if you're a terrorist from Britain or France than it is from Egypt or Yemen, uh, just by way of example, um, or, or say, the eastern part of Africa. Um, Those are definite new concerns that are going to rise in the years to come. And we are, unfortunately, whether we're bringing in people who believe they have a mission coming in or people who are open to violence towards us is somewhat irrelevant in the long run because either way they get motivated and turned against us. And this administration doesn't seem to care if people oppose American values um, when they bring them in. And that's a controversial, even more controversial topic but it's starting to be hit very hard in this presidential race, thankfully, as something that we have to wake up to and face up to.
0: When news of the attack on Israel came, what, did, what do you suspect the smart people inside our government immediately did or started to talk about to make sure that they were working as hard as they could to protect us?
1: Well, they probably started shuffling back through the terror watch list folks who have come in um and uh i suspect that some of the ones they've let in they may be more inclined now to go run back down and remove and it takes an awful lot for this administration to decide to remove somebody uh it's pretty uh it's pretty sad it's pretty scary it's pathetic but it's and dangerous but it's the state of play in the democrat party today and that's who's in control of the executive branch, and they're responsible for executing border security.
0: If you are part of this calculus, just dealing the hand that you've been dealt, what sorts of things would you be initiating right now?
1: You mean if I were in the administration? Mm-hmm. I'd be asking to put the military on the border in between legal ports of entry to truly close it. Um, are we I,
0: allowed to do that in the United States? Yes,
1: we are. Okay. Yes, we are. And with my center for renewing america hat on the think tank that i work with we're going to have a paper out on that very subject there's nothing in the way of that
0: i thought it's always been said you can't deploy the military on your own territory am i miss oh no you absolutely can okay yeah
1: you can okay. um what you're thinking of is posse comitatus yeah. which is the you can't use the military to enforce the law Okay. what it really means is you can't um subordinate the military To civil law enforcement, thereby interrupting the military chain of command. So, um, but on the borders, that's not law enforcement. We're stopping an invasion. And that is what's been going on at our borders for many years now. This reaches back past the Biden administration. It's only a matter of scale. Um, But when you don't control your own borders, uh, you are allowing the erasing of your own sovereignty. And with serious safety consequences. One of the things people point out all the time is any terrorist attack is likely to do less damage in terms of lives than we lose to drug overdoses. You know, over a hundred thousand a year, all of which is coming from, I don't literally mean a hundred percent, but overwhelmingly and all the worst stuff is coming over the Southwest border. And if you talk to cops who've been police officers in our major cities for 10 years or so, ask them the price of drugs. Tracking the price of drugs on the street is a good indicator of how easy it is for the cartels to get the drugs in the country. And they've never had it easier. In fact, with drug prices down as low as they are, and the massive number of humans crossing that border the cartels are probably making more money today from human smuggling than drug smuggling. And I'm not happy that they make money either way, but it's pretty pathetic that we've reached that point. All while we're killing more people with drug overdoses than we've seen before. Um, and that's they both stem from the same open borders policy.
0: Lastly, if you just had to give some takeaway thoughts on the whole big picture now that we're looking at our threat here at home. Yeah. And protecting ourselves what are some things you would say or a message you would deliver
1: well uh, you know the weaponization of law enforcement and intelligence in this country for political purposes uh, has been pretty severe it's 10 years old or so at least and it's pretty ingrained in the deep state Um, and one of the consequences is we over deploy resources to achieve those political goals, many of which are just generated within those, uh, th- whether it's the FBI, those organizations, uh, or the intelligence community themselves. But those are people taken away from serious threats. They're trying to generate narratives instead of identify threats. And we're already a bankrupt country. We're so deep in the hole, I don't know that we can ever get out of it from a funding and debt standpoint, but we should be treating these as rare resources that need to be deployed on the highest valued use basis, which is also, by the way, why I would put military members in between the legal ports of entry. Just, just cut off the flow and then turn your intelligence sources and resources toward um, drilling down on our most severe threats, rather than having to parse through millions of people a year coming across the border after they've come in to see what you let walk by you in terms of threats to the United States in terms of its existence and to the safety of the people who live here.
0: Introducing Whipped Seafoam Body Butter by Cyrene Cosmetics. Hi, I'm Star, owner of The Lemonade Mermaid. Enriched with the nourishing powers of cocoa butter, mango butter and shea butter our body butter whisks you away to a world of deep hydration experience the essence of the sea with every application as this whipped delight leaves your skin refreshed replenished and ready to conquer the day visit thelemonademermaid.com and make your skin sing with the magic of the sea Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if you did, you'll leave us a great review, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours. And now you can support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking on the store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you, such as products with the slogan, I need to find some new conspiracy theories. All my old ones came true. Proceeds benefit independent reporting causes. Do your own research. Make up your own mind. Think for yourself.